All right. Our reading today comes from Revelation 14. This is verses 6 through 13. This is the, the messages of the three angels. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Here's a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. This is the word of the Lord. So grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So my family and I like to travel, as many of you know, and we went to Virginia this summer, and a little bit into Tennessee and the Carolinas. And uh, well, when you go to the South, what's a common thing you hear? God bless you, you know. Bless your heart, you know. And just like, oh, thank you, ma'am, and sir, and all these. They're very polite, and they throw around this bless you thing all the time. And I've enjoyed it. I, I, there's a guy walking in. He's a delivery man. I open the door. And he goes, well, God bless you, sir. I'm just like, wow, that is so nice. And it is. But then there's this other kind of snarky thing, like they say right before they're going to offend you. Uh, especially, I think it's ladies that are really good at this. They say, oh, bless your heart. You don't know what you're doing, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> oh... Gotta love the South. And then, uh, then we have Sandy Nelson, who, you know, every time I hear her, I think of that. You know, she just still has that. She hasn't gotten this Midwestern accent yet. It's amazing how she's repelled that. But uh, this idea of blessing is just very common. And the kids are coming up and they say, what do people say after you sneeze? God bless you. Or just bless you, right? We just throw it out. Even people who don't even believe in God are like throwing this word out. So this word that we use every day, well, what does it mean, and, and what's the uh, eternal significance of that? Well, let's put a little pin in that for right now, and well, let's get into our text, because it's in our text today. And uh, well, I always debate whether I give you the good news or the bad news first, right? And most of you are like, you know, give me the good news. Okay, I'll do that, because that's the order of the angels. It's got some good news to start with. So we're just going to go down the order here. In uh, verses uh, six and seven here, or verse seven, 
uh, the eternal gospel. This is like proclaiming to all the nations the eternal gospel. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Now this eternal gospel, these are eternal blessings that we should praise God. He created you. He created all of this. It's, he's worthy to be worshipped for this. Just being alive is enough, much less what he's done through Jesus. This is the eternal good news that you get to worship him, not just today in church. It's all the time. Worship is 24-7. And it's not just here. It's forever. This is a blessing to be able to know that you get to do this forever. And it is what's well, hard to imagine. But this is what the eternal gospel, this is the good news that you are forever with the Lord. Now, what's the opposite of gospel? Gospel, we say, is essentially God's promises, the good news of what he's done through Jesus. Then there's God's law. And God's law is actually really good. What is law? It's just commands. What are you supposed to do? I don't know, love your neighbor, you know? Do nice things for people. Bless them, right? These are good commands, but what happens when God tells us to do stuff? We don't. <laughs> and then we're like, ah, I screwed up, like we did in confession absolution. But that's okay, because when you think about what the law tells you to do and how you epically fail at fulfilling it, <laughs> then you're like, oh yeah, there's a gospel thing. God doesn't hold that against me. He judges me based on Jesus and not on my behavior. Praise be to God. There. This is how God's word works. Law and gospel. Now, the default condition for every human being born is, I asked, I, I ran this by Luke, and he says, yeah, you can say this. Remember we've been talking about the mark of the beast, right? The 666 thing. Well, that's the default condition of every human. They're born sinful and unclean. If nothing miraculous happens of them having to be reborn, they stay in that condition. That's not fun to think about. Which is why when we do a baptism here, and sometimes when that baby cries a little, <laughs> Luke and I always chuckle, because the theology of baptism is a mini-exorcism. You're actually taking the mark of the beast off and replacing it with the mark of Christ upon their forehead and upon their chest to mark them as one redeemed. You're changing them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. God does this thing for you and for me, and like I've said in the past, anyone who calls on God the Father gets to call the church their mother because it is through the church, God's people, by which this gospel continues to go on and will go on until the last day. And this Last day, time's up. You're either going to be found in the Lord or the mark of the beast. So the second angel, Revelation 14, 8. Another angel, second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And you're like, Why, where did Babylon come into this? And what's that have to do with me today? Good question, even though he didn't maybe even ask it. But uh, Babylon represents all the enemies of God's people. 
and this woman of sexual morality, the Jezebel, who's riding on the beast, this little deliverance of message shows, remember we had the two beasts, the beast of the sea, the political class who wants to oppress the church, and the beast of the earth, which is the religious class, the apostate churches who have false religion or false teachings about Christ. Well, guess what? When they get together, this is what it looks like. You got the political and the religious working together to oppress, to oppress the church. Do we see this happening today? Oh, yeah, we do. Now, you could say, like, okay, like in communist countries, they want to be atheists and they're against the church. That's true. But we have lots of places where there, there's an apostate church, let's say uh, the Muslim church, right? Works within the government to combine their forces to oppress the church. Now, I had been, I had heard, we do a lot of missions to Kenya, right? I heard this is starting to happen there. And there was a gentleman in my seminary class this last week from Kenya. So I, you know, kind of introduce myself, tell him about our church, and I go, I have a question for you because it's in my text this Sunday, and I really want a confirmation. Is this, is this really happening in Kenya? Are there, are there Muslims that are infiltrating the government positions of authority and making it harder and harder on the church? I go, please tell me I'm wrong. He goes, no. That's what's happening. They just had an election. They have a Christian president, but he tried to have a prayer service, and well, that didn't go so well, I guess. And you can see this all through North Africa, right? We go to the Kakama refugee camp. Why are the refugees there? The Jezebel. <laughs> Apostate churches infiltrating the government. They get a majority of people. Then what do they do? They go and kill the Christians, and they flee. This has been going on for centuries. It's nothing new here. This is a real thing. This is the world we live in. So the Jezebel of Babylon is still with us. All right, how about the third angel? Oh, this isn't any better. <laughs> this third angel, this is the fire and brimstone verses here. Verse 10, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger. These are those who are marked with the beast. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur, brimstone, in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night, these worshipers of the beast in its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. We were... Uh, at a, a beer house this last week with some other pastors, and this idea of hell came up. And some were like, oh, I'm kind of leaning towards the idea that maybe hell isn't forever. I go, hey, it's in my text this weekend. Do you want to read it? So I handed my phone with this text that this torment goes on forever and ever. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. So um, I wish this wasn't in the text. I wish there was like, no, how much torment and uh, wrath, how long do I want to endure that? Exactly zero seconds. That's how long I want that. To imagine that anybody would endure this for even minutes, much less hours, days, and eternity, is horrifying. This is awful. It pains me to think that there are people that this will be their eternal reality. Reality. 
Can you scare people into heaven? Well, how does God's word work? Law and gospel. The sweetness of the gospel. Yes, people say, that's awesome. I'm on board, Lord, thank you and praise you. But it also can show us the alternative reality like it does in this text. And the Holy Spirit can use this word (laughs) the other way. We don't like to focus on that part because it's offensive, uh, it's hard, it's something we don't want to think about. I'm the same way, I don't want to. But God's word is true. If you want to use the carrot of the gospel or the stick of the law, the Holy Spirit uses both. He just did it this morning with us, (laughs) didn't he? Condemned us of our sin, we confessed those things, and then he makes us realize, okay, great, it's not me. But there's some people who don't have that. They only have the law. But doesn't this make me think, how could God do such a thing? Doesn't he want everybody to be saved? And if so, why doesn't he do that? We see in 1 Timothy 2, God desires all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. God desires all to be saved. Don't we all want that too? Don't we want all to be saved? But some people will reject the gospel. There's this uh, theologian I got to study this last week, uh, Johann Husselman, and this whole predestination controversy of his day. But the way he describes this is, well, it makes sense. Does God see everything throughout time? Yes. Does he already know ahead of time? Yes. Foreknowledge, knowing ahead of time. And whether or not someone repents and believes, these are separate things. And here's the way Husselman describes it. He says, God foresees who will not reject him. He can see into eternity those who will not reject him. That's you. He knows who's not going to reject him. And this is why we let God be God. And what's he tell us to do? He tells us, as his church, to proclaim this truth to the world until he returns. That there is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There is only one way to heaven, and you must repent and believe to be saved. Now, this idea of baptism in the Lutheran church is wonderful. I mean, even Jesus says to Nicodemus that you must be reborn through the water and the word. We know that God comes to us and not the other way around. And for all of us, we get to say, God came to me through the word and redeemed me and marked me as one saved. And I am no longer part of that dark kingdom. I'm part of the kingdom of light. And I'm supposed to tell others about this. He wants everyone to repent and believe. And so do I. So do you. 
But we all have loved ones, you know, who are not there or have left. And it's hard to think about, really hard. I don't want anyone to have eternal torment. (laughs) I wish that wasn't the case. Well, for those of us who are in the faith, here we go. Here's our good news. This is 12 and 13. Here's a call for the endurance of the saints. This is the same thing I preached about a few weeks ago in, in in 12. A call for endurance. Those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. Now this is the makairos, this is the blessedness that is what it is to be in Christ. Does anybody uh, go online and, and hashtag blessed? There are literally in Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, right? There's millions of posts, people saying how they're blessed. And some are really cool, right? Oh, I'm so blessed. I, I, I got to uh, hang out with my family, right? Or they came home. I'm so blessed because uh, I got a new job, right? I'm so blessed because I just won a bunch of money gambling. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I saw that this morning. I looked it up. I'm so blessed because blah, 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 blah. But as I look at all of those posts, millions of posts, I'm like, those are temporal things. Even good things that come from God. We can praise God for those blessings, right? But when we say God bless you or being blessed, it's not just this temporal thing. It's an eternal blessing, This is what it means to die in the Lord. You are blessed indeed. And whenever you say, God bless you, you're not just saying, I hope things go good for you, because the makairos in the Greek is really that. Just something good happens, good fortune. It, for the Christian, it's way above that. When I say, God bless you, I'm saying, eternally, I want God to bless you. Not just here and now. I mean, I thank him for every good thing he gives me. But he wants you to know that To die in the Lord is to be blessed indeed. What does Jesus say about being blessed? In the Beatitudes. Matthew 5. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's you. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. New heavens, new earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So even when those apostate churches partner with the government and the Jezebel comes to oppress the Christian church, we are hashtag blessed. Blessed. 
this New Testament church that we are still living in, God commands us to bless and not curse. So weird. Because <laughs> when evil things happen to me, what do I want to do? I want to get back at them. It's very natural, very normal. I want to repay evil with evil. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to repay evil with good. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is what the church is called to do, is to bless and not curse. Even bless the enemy. This saying of heaping burning coals on their head, isn't that weird? What does that even mean? So I did a little research on this. I guess especially back in the New Testament era, this idea of heaping burning coals on someone's head. Well, what happens? If someone dumped burning coals on my head, what would I want to do? I would want to get it off my head, right? I was like, I'm not going to let burning coals sit on my head. I would instantly get them off. This is the, the way of describing that when you bless someone, who has actually cursed you, you're forcing them to reconcile this weird thing. You're trying to give them a crown. You're trying to honor them. You're trying to love them. And then for the one who's against you, they will repent and go, get that off me. I don't want burning coals on my head. And they will feel a little sting of repentance is what your hope is, because you want them to be blessed. And not just blessed today. You want them to be blessed forever. When you are asked or commanded to bless, you're not just thinking about here and now. You're thinking about eternity. That's where we keep our focus. But that's the great thing. It says in our text that we are blessed indeed because it said that our works will go with us. Your good works go with you in the next life. You're like, whoa, that's kind of weird. God will recount those good things that you did. And as good Lutherans, you know all those good works did not come from you. <laughs> you know those good works came from God. They were God's good works done in and through you. This is when you wish someone, God bless you, you are doing a good work. You are pointing them to eternity. When you do something nice for someone, especially one who's done evil to you, you are blessing them. God is the one who's making you live this really weird life. He is the one who gets glory, not you. And if you're able to do these commands, these really hard commands of blessing those who persecute you, 
You know that doesn't come from you. You know that comes from God. It's a beautiful thing. It's so weird for this world. But this is what the Christian is called to do. So when you get on Twitter today or Facebook and you look up hashtag blessed, (laughs) millions of posts, and many of you probably do that. You probably put hashtag blessed on your own posts maybe too. I put it on today's post for today's worship service. Maybe that wasn't a good idea. I don't know. But it's, it's the theme for today about being eternally blessed and blessed indeed. And now I'm about to speak the benediction pretty soon, which I will be speaking blessing upon you. And it's not just, have a, and I'll say have a great week, right? <laughs> it's beyond that. I want you to be blessed indeed eternally. Because Jesus Christ paid a very big price for this. (laughs) How do we have peace with God? Because he gave his very own son. He bled and died for you and me. That's We were enemies. We deserve death. We deserve that wrath that's described. But instead, he's like, no, I will take it for you. I will bear that burden, and then I'm going to give you this new life now and forever. You will truly be blessed indeed now and forever through Jesus and the faith that you have, the resurrection that he got, the resurrection you will get on the last day. That is what being blessed is. This world is hard, but we are blessed because we have a hope beyond this world. And this blessing that we get because we believe in the gospel is one we want to share because we know the Holy Spirit will do his work through the word to call people to repent and believe the one true God and they too might be blessed indeed forever. So as I uh, close today and when I do the benediction, when I say those words, think about that. And when you're out this week, use those words. Bless people, especially your enemies. And in so you do, glorify God. And those good works, his good works, are done in and through you today and every day. Amen? Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you for the blessing that you've given us through your son. Lord, help me to live this out. Give me the strength and the courage to be weird and bless and not curse. Lord, I just want to pray for those who don't know you, that there might be an opportunity for them to uh, hear your word, to hear your gospel, and know that there's an eternal blessing waiting for them through your son, Jesus. I pray for living faith as we faithfully proclaim your word, both law and gospel, that it reminds us that you've given us everything we need and more in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give to you his peace. Amen.